Welcome to SKU Talks. We are your one-stop shop for all things e-commerce. While I tend to skew towards Amazon, no pun intended, our guests come from all sorts of professional backgrounds, and I'd like to think there's something in here for everyone. Thanks for joining. All right. We are here today with Dewar Gaines of Gaines Family Farmstead. I've already got the chance to talk to him a bit. Heard a pretty awesome story. Great family started business, cool products, cool ingredients, and it's in probably my favorite space to talk about, one that's near and dear to my heart, which is the pet space pretty much recession proof, which I always love. But just to start things off, it'd be awesome, Dewar, if you could introduce yourself. I know that I don't mean to make you repeat yourself too much, but just <laughs> telling a little bit about you guys getting started. I want to hear about your tiny factory or tiny room you started producing these in at first yeah. and what you guys have been up to since then uh, for some general backstory would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having us on. So I'm um, Dewar Gaines with Gaines Family Farmstead. I'm a longtime pet lover, but also a uh, marketing nerd. Uh, so for years, I worked in the marketing space and had a customer that was in the pet space and had the opportunity to leave my very comfortable career, much to my, my parents' chagrin, and uh, decided to start a dog treat company. Uh, we spent several months kind of learning the market and trying to figure out how we wanted to position we learned that there, you know, there's seven core competencies that are driving a lot of uh, purchasing behaviors in the United States from pet parents. So we created a brand that resonates with all of those core competencies and uh, decided to, to, to make a real hard run at it. We started yeah. out of about a 700 square foot garage space. My brother and I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning. We would drive to a farmer's market. We would buy around... 270 pounds of sweet potatoes every day. 270 and pounds? Yeah. Yeah. You guys were getting uh, ripped while you're doing it. That's crazy. Yeah. Horrible, <laughs> actually. And so 270 pounds would make 45 pounds of finished product. Okay. So that is maybe 90 bags a day, is what our output was when we started. That's 98 ounce bags. Um, happy to say, Last month, we, we went through just under a million pounds of raw sweet potatoes. Wow. Yeah, Let's so in, in five and a half, almost six years now, we've, we've really turned the corner. Um, but our, our bread and butter is we, there's, we started at farmer's markets, worked our way into a few regional stores, uh, then went door to door um, to distributors around the country, landed our first distributor which then gave us the economies of scale to, uh, to go to a manufacturing partner. That manufacturing partner gave us the economies of scale to launch online. And, and here we are uh, a few years later, selling in right around 22 to 2,500 mom and pop shops in the United States on Amazon, Chewy, uh, Costco. You can sometimes find us in TJ Maxx when we have some old product we need to get rid of. But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been one of those stories, you know, I'm not going to say it was all fun and games when COVID just about killed us, but it's been a good ride. That's awesome, man. Those are my favorite stories, honestly. And it's interesting for you because with your marketing background, things probably got like started to feel like they were more in your wheelhouse as you scaled, right? Because yeah. in the early stages with farmer's markets, going door to door, so to speak, like that's coming from somebody that works in marketing, like that is what I would not know how to do. Right. Yeah. And once you ultimately were able to gain, as you put it, the economy of scale, 
able to sell online now you're like all right now i got this because this is my wheelhouse <laughs> i can start yeah scale absolutely <laughs> absolutely and and i i guess yes and no so being able to message directly to an individual like you you and i've spoken you know you're very personable you're marketing right now you know period just by <laughs> nature of your personality yeah. so um i think i think actually going door point. to door and going to farmers markets and going to dog parks and literally selling people dog treats at dog parks, uh, it helped us really refine our communication pattern um, and Smart. and hone in on what, what messaging worked. And that's what we used to parlay into landing our first distributor. I'll tell you a funny story. My brother was driving through Atlanta, Georgia on his way back from North Carolina sourcing sweet potatoes. And the first distributor we landed and possibly our longest partnership with Southeastern Pet. He said, you know what, I'm just going to stop at their warehouse and sit in their lobby until I get a meeting. And 45 awesome. days later, we got our first order from them. So it, it, <laughs> there you uh, go. Really cool. Yeah. And you guys have an awesome uh, brand story. I mean, just like looking at your brand store on Amazon, you guys, I mean, the, the pet market is a great and emotional market, right? Because people love their animals so much. and being able to tap into like obviously you know cute dogs but also telling your guys story and also having products that ultimately are healthy for pets right vitamins antioxidants i don't think probably that many people maybe i'm wrong think of feeding sweet potatoes to their animals i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people do but having this way to package it and in a way that people know is good for their animals i think that that's definitely an important story to be able to tell. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think I was probably a little bit off base there with conveying that in person is easier, but you, I think you found a great way to convey that digitally, which I think that's where a lot of brands miss the mark is they are very focused on just showing off their product and not telling their why. And I think you guys have a great why. And I think that type of thing really resonates well with the pet community overall. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's uh, you know, it's interesting geographically the things that matter to people are different. So in the southeast, family owned and American made is king. Yeah. On in the Pacific Northwest, the fact that our products are uh, sourced from family farms and are radiated and uh, have a sustainable future is important. In California, price point is important. Um, so it, it, it's interesting uh, the way all of the messaging that you see in our digital uh, footprint, we curtail and utilize very succinctly in the different areas that we market. I was I was meeting with a, a Costco buyer last week, and the stuff that was valuable to him is completely different than what another Costco buyer wants to hear. Really, um, even within yeah. Costco, because they're yeah. geographic interesting. Yeah. And, and so the general concept with Costco is, is providing, uh, providing consumer value, right? They want to take care of their, their members, but also they want to know that we have a direction that we're going for sustainable packaging or sustainable farming or what the everyday low price is and, and there are ways that we can get uh, that price down over time. And depending on which one of those buyers we're talking to, we know to curtail our messaging accordingly for each of them. And same goes true online. Yeah, that's, I didn't even think of that. I mean, 
that makes a ton of sense. And that I feel like that's almost something you just have to learn through trial and error, because even from category to category, like there, you know, are going to be different things that I, I didn't even think about. Because obviously from category to category, there are going to be different things that the consumer thinks about. But beyond that, the buyers in their geographic regions, they know their customers and they care about obviously what's going to sell through and what's going to make their business money at the end of the day. So it's really interesting to think about within the same company, people having such different, I guess, yeah. I don't know, KPIs, focuses, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, it's, it's a, what would you say? matter of just messaging. Yeah. That's all it is. Yep. Yep. That's, that's smart. So what would you say uh, is like a unique challenge within your industry that, that you guys face that you've had to deal with that other industries might not have to face as much? So the pet space is, you alluded to this earlier, this space is very much so recession-proof. Um, yep. In fact, in two of the worst years, 2008, 2009, the pet market grew. Um, yep. When you can't go on vacations, you spend money on your kids or your pets. And some people yep. spend money on their pets, you know, it's a, it's a, yep. um, each his own. But I think, I don't know that it's unique to any other category, um, but the amount of, of new product to market in this space every year is crazy. Whether that's yeah. uh, Blue Buffalo Purina launching 15 new SKUs a quarter or another- Based run all their ads. <laughs> okay, so you know, you know. Uh, or yeah. or one, of the, one of the small guys like us popping up uh, out of nowhere and, and trying to figure out how to fight. Um, so, there's a, an intense level of competition for eyeballs, um, but also the you have to you have to be in a position where you're profitable quickly in this space. Uh, otherwise, you won't yep. with, withhold this, the test of time and can't scale. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I'm imagining from a resource perspective, um, you guys got to buy a lot of sweet potatoes, so you do have to go pretty quickly. And I mean, I don't think that's really a product that like expires very quickly, but I don't know. No. But yeah, it's, it's still. not. One of the reasons we chose sweet potatoes, it grows super abundantly in the United States. North and South Carolina produce an enormous amount of sweet potatoes. Um, and so uh, it's it's really not that difficult to source them. It's But it's a, a matter of understanding um, soil complexities and elevation and moisture levels. I could I could nerd out on on the different types of sweet potatoes. A lot of science. Yeah, yeah. My brother and I, my brother and I, who are not students, but he started this with me. Um, he and I learned a lot about the chemistry of a sweet potato and what occurs when we were hand slicing them. You know, uh, but it's yep. uh, fortunately now we've been able to our manufacturing partnerships. We've negotiated terms with them. Where not only will they manufacture and and uh, package for us, but they also maintain our entire supply chain. So we call them and so you know we pre-negotiate set prices for the year. Uh, obviously, if something crazy happens and sweet potatoes have some sort of there's a sweet potato famine that sweet potato recession, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which so interestingly enough, uh, there's a hurricane that hit North and South Carolina and completely decimated like 30 percent of the sweet potato crop. We didn't feel it, not even a blip in our radar. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I don't know. 
guys are priority sweet potato purchasers. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> or my factory is at this point. Yeah. 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 So do you ever eat sweet potatoes or are you super sweet potatoed out from having to be hands on with them for so long? <laughs> yeah, but I eat them in I eat them at every trade show we go to. Uh, but my brother and I recognize the brothers that eat their dog treats for sure. Oh, that's right. I love that. Yeah. I forgot you talking about that the first time we talked because you're sitting there. I mean, that's such a hilarious way to market is you guys are eating them. They're eating them yourselves. Like they're good for humans, good for dogs. Like, because I mean, there, I feel like there are so many dog treats that look delicious. But then if you actually were to taste them, they're just the grossest thing on the planet. But you guys can actually sit there and eat your dog treats. It's fantastic. I have, I can, I can say honestly, I've tasted and eaten more than I'd like to of all of them. But we did, we did just launch a brand new line <laughs> that is 100% meat. So there's no sweet potato in them at all. It's just okay. a single ingredient meat treat. And those are like eating like super dehydrated beef jerky or elk jerky or chicken right, jerky. So right. those are... Those are really, I, I don't mind eating those as much. I'll let my brother eat the sweet potato treats at the future yeah, trade shows and I'll stick I've to I've seen that you guys have the sweet potato and salmon fillets, sweet potato and beef fillets, sweet potato and chicken fillets. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. And we, so the, um, the, the single ingredient meat treats just launched into distribution about 45 days ago. They launched on our website about eight days ago and they go live on Amazon. Awesome middle of next week so they're we're rolling them out all all over like a 65 70 day period that is awesome yeah and i think uh it's great i mean having the relationships with the factories and with the buyers and it probably it just allows you for a lot of creativity right because you you yeah. did so much of that hard work and like banging your head against the wall on the front end that now like you get to have fun with the product ideation and you have the sales to back it up. So as far as, you know, I mean, obviously launching on your website's one thing, but if you wanted to get into some of the same stores with the new product variation, they're familiar with your product. Their customers are already probably familiar with your product. So it, it really allows you some creativity yeah. with expansion. So to, to, to that point, um, we're unlike a lot of brands that are launching now where we specifically concentrated on retail first because yeah. retail gave us the economies of scale to provide us great margin online that allows us to market and allows us to do some unique things. So uh, different than most folks now, uh, most folks go D to C first and prove that model. And if I were launching again, I don't, I don't, I think I'd still probably go retail first um, yeah. and, and distribution first, but it's, it's just a, uh, it's an uphill battle to buy 500 bags to sell online versus buying 5,000 bags and selling 4,500 of them into distribution. Exactly. And as you mentioned, your marketing tactics super early on with that is, I mean, your brother was literally sitting in a waiting room with some product, right? When you're selling online first, you need those marketing dollars because you can't just put up a website and expect people to show up at your website. It's never going to happen. So it's, the the initial investment outside of the product that you need to supply to launch D2C without any real sales numbers to at least give you the, the marketing money to play with is incredibly tough. So I think I think it's a smart way you guys went about it. And you know, it's also that people get introduced to brands if they're going to stores and then you have an online presence to capitalize on people that have already bought your products and want to, you know, either buy it in bulk or buy it direct, whatever it is. 
um, it gives you a lot more more to play with, I guess. People might or might not have had have found uh, coupon codes to our website inside of bags that we sold to TJ Maxx. You know, like <laughs> things, things like that. Uh, there's ways to leverage retail uh, into growing your digital. Like our, I, we don't put uh, coupon codes in our bags that we sell to Costco. But when you look at the regionality of our Costco purchasers, you can see significant increases in yeah. direct to consumer sales uh, that surround them. And that's, I mean, Costco doesn't keep every product in store at all times. They have you on a rotational basis. So it's actually fantastic for our uh, yeah. e-com presence just to appear and disappear in Costco or TJ Maxx. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because I mean, if you're selling out and they haven't restocked it on the shelves or they do it in particular seasons, then it's a great, you know, Costco shopper introductory tool. And then you're not on the shelf, they buy D2C or they go to Amazon. Um, yeah. We don't have a ton of time left, but one thing that I've talked about, I talk about this with brands all the time is, you know, when you sell on Amazon, how to leverage that into growing your D2C as well. And it's it's tricky because Amazon, in a lot of ways, is like the online version of a Costco, right? Where people will go to this website, looking across a number of products, digital shelf space, get introduced to products through that. Whereas obviously on your DTC side, it's different. People are only shopping from you. So Amazon's kind of an interesting middle ground between the two where people are ultimately buying online from you, but they might not be going with you in mind when they're shopping but they can get introduced to you that way and that one's a little bit trickier to figure out how to leverage into d2c sales just because amazon shoppers are typically always going to prefer to buy from amazon given the opportunity they got prime you know they can get it tomorrow so i talk to brands a lot about if their main goal like if they have a solid amazon presence and their main goal is to help grow d2c because their margins are better like how do they how do they do that do you guys think about that at all when when it comes to your amazon presence at d2c or do you just sell on both and where the sales come from is where they come from a majority of our online sales come from amazon um there are so there's a uh, unique inverse relationship between the two obviously yeah. our margins are significantly better when we sell through our website but there is an increase in operational overhead as well as marketing overhead to dress so operational overhead because we have to fulfill it we have to warehouse it we have to inventory it um where uh, and then additional marketing overhead to drive traffic to the website the way i view yep. amazon is it's a it's a i know how many bags we're going to sell a month i know what my net yep. margin is going to be on that i know what it costs to acquire i have a general idea of what it costs to acquire new customers I know what a, what our typical retention rate is, what our subscribe and save rate is. Um, so it's basically a, a calculation of return on investment. I know that if yeah. we send them X number of dollars in product and spend X number of dollars in marketing, we should have a net return of this. Whereas yeah. uh, it's a, a much different calculation when you start looking at direct to consumer, if you choose to fulfill it yourself and drive traffic yourself. Um, so. Yeah. We've chosen to pursue Amazon so heavily uh, because of the infrastructure that's in place and it just aligns with our general business model in the first place. Totally. That makes a ton of sense. Um, Tour, it's been awesome. Um, always a pleasure. What is the best way, I guess, people, 
have probably overheard throughout the course of this call that they can sometimes find you in Costco, sometimes not. Maybe the lucky person, TJ Maxx, Amazon, and your D2C site. Amazon, um, Chewy, products soon. Chewy, our yeah. website, yeah, our website already has all our new product line up there. Um, Amazon will be active next week. But if you go to our website, gainsfamilyfarmstead.com and use the discount code POD25, POD25, it's just for this podcast users, it's 25% off. It. Yeah, absolutely. And you can flash that up on the screen. I got you. P-O-D-25. We'll put that in the description, too. That's super helpful. All all uppercase. My man. We appreciate it, as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you all so much.